Welcome to the SUS, uh, SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. And how can I mess that up after, what, eight years? You mark it <laughs> on the calendar. This is the first time, and I was just complimenting you the last one. You just blow through that so easily, and you stumbled on it today. What's up, Patrick? Oh, I got distracted, and I was right before... Uh, going live here, I was sending out some more FOIA requests to the FAA. Cheering <laughs> folks up, it's what I do. Um, there, there's some good ones. So, And then I had some other stuff going on, so I got a little little uh, distracted in that. But <clears throat> as always, I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as we always do at this time, we uh, offer a warm welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Gene, uh, I love nice you. I see you to make it. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just glad to see that you're really human, you know, and you can stumble every once in a while, Patrick. So that's great. While we were on that subject, I think that it, it, it's such good AI in, in human recreation that I think that they just program Patrick with a little bit of flaws just so that he seems more human. <laughs> exactly. And that's today's guest, uh, Randall Warnes. And, you, you know, Randall, you've been on so often. It's like we could almost <laughs> throw you in there. This is yeah. like a Johnny Carson deal, you know. That was, we got like a. Uh, do you play a musical instrument? You know? Do I? <laughs> I, I could yeah, probably you... do a, a mean snare drum if you if you need if you're telling jokes. I could do a like uh, a. I could use that. Exactly, and so we got like this. Uh, we got like a whole show going here with that. Um, yeah. yeah, and it is, you know, it is good. The other, you know, it is, I, I am, um, I know contrary to popular belief, I do have uh, flaws uh, and whatever else. But, you know, what on that subject, uh, you know, I was watching some of your videos, Gene, and you were trading the dog, uh, Gunny. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hmm, who's, who is trainable here? Is it Gunny or is it Gene? <laughs> who's, who's, who's the one being trained? Um and then I was I reflected, and I thought, you know, I'm probably still tradable, you know. <laughs> I do. I, that might be a stretch there, Patrick, but, you know. Right, controversial, uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm always open to hearing new ideas. Um, how, yeah, well, it looks like he's, he's uh, picking up on the, uh, he's got a nose for sausage. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've, I've got to admit, uh, Gunny is the first German Shepherd that I've really kind of uh, um, taken to school, if you will, and let him go. And let me tell you what, those dogs are, man, they're smart. I mean, I'm not telling German Shepherd owners anything, but holy cow, I only had to show him like one time. And he's like, okay, it's on, Dad. Challenge me. So I, I noticed the spring in his step when you tell him, all right, go find it. He's like, doo doo doo. <laughs> Uh, you know, food. Motiv- I, I hear. I'm. I'm there. I'm motivated by food too. Um, but it was good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I know there's a lot of different stuff going on and and yada yada with all that. But you know, any. And we'll make this a round robin thing. Uh, anything. Uh, there's a lot of news going on. Anything catch your attention this week? Oh Gee. yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm, I was doing my thing. I actually got flown out Why? To, uh, to look for Sam Martinez, uh, that was we have still not located that young man. Went out to Kauai to do some hiking, and uh, you know we we did our best out there. I had a, uh, a nice uh, M300 fly out there, and 
And uh, it was interesting because it was the first time I ever took off to fly a search mission and had to descend because we were at the top of the canyon rim where the, the, the guy's last cell phone ping was. And, uh, I, you know, again, I got to say, uh, the M300 performed flawlessly, you know, even going, uh, I was, you know, way out in this canyon and uh, probably five, 600 feet down. Wait a minute. Did I violate something there? I went over 400 feet one way. I don't know. I'm not going to worry about that. But uh, it, it did okay. <laughs> uh, it did okay. And even, you know, if uh, – and, and this is – I will have to admit I had kind of a mean streak. And I was like, okay, I'm below takeoff level. What happens if you hit return to home? Mm. Well, you know, you're supposed to program that in uh, before, right? You know, I well, would, you know I let's didn't. go high. And and I was it showed minus six hundred feet on the the readout and I pushed return to home and by God it just it went straight up came up went up to the the ninety eight feet above where I took off and landed so I was pretty impressed but unfortunately we still haven't found Sam and uh, he's he's still out there and uh, I got to tell you the even though the the family was very gracious in flying us out there and. And getting us set up and, and back, man, this is getting hard on the old bod. That uh, that jet lag was, was really, really a strain. But, uh, you know, would I do it again? Of course I would. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, we keep learning as we go. But uh, from yeah. there, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're cranking it out. I've, uh, as far as new stuff, I mean, I, I, I've looked at, at Brink drones as a public safety drone. I thought I was pretty impressed with that little guy being able to break windows and, you know, go into things and stuff like that. That was pretty good. And our, our friend and God Singh went over there. He's working with them now. He was uh, late of uh, Pix4D. And then, uh, oh, I, I get a little news. Um, yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, you saw my videos on there that uh, I'm going to probably start teaching in earnest. And uh, we're working with the uh, Austin Community College Public Safety Training Center, PSTC, and uh, working with their drone program. The cool thing about that was it's something we always wanted to do is, uh, you know, public safety guys will get uh, continuing education credit for it. So well, that's some pretty exciting that, stuff for us. It is. That, uh, that is some exciting stuff. Randall. Anything uh, come up in the news last week that uh, that caught your attention? Uh, yeah, I think there's a, quite a bit of news stories, and I can't say that I have a, a, a deep amount of opinions on a lot of them, but I think that Axon and DroneSense doing something together is a, a news story. Uh, Scott Loomish, yep. formerly of Drone Deploy and formerly of Hangar and formerly of uh, many, many successful uh, acquisitions and, and – uh, and venture-funded uh, operations has joined Ag Eagle uh, with with uh, their new CEO, who is uh, Brandon Dequet of Measure. I think that that's something that it, it's really um, like Brandon's building out something something that is worth looking at. Ag Eagle being one of the few publicly traded drone-specific companies in the world, um, he's putting together a pretty formidable crew over there and uh, I, I believe in, in what he does and his vision so I think that that's interesting for the drone industry to pay attention to and then measure uh, in, in the same breath measure uh, ground control uh, announced their integration with Parrot um, so it'll be interesting to see what that 
leads to. There's quite a bit of drone news and drone action, and I think that it's all going to really come to a head when we get together at uh, the trade shows this coming late summer and fall. I agree. Yeah, it seems like there's problem. a lot of activity. There, there is a lot of activity, yeah. and there's there's also uh, you know the announcement of the uh, the Beyond Visual Line of Sight arc, which. Uh, holds a lot of promise for really rounding out, I think, the, uh, let's say, technological capability of this uh, technology, you know, of the unmanned uh, systems technology flying stuff. So we'll have to see what happens with that. I, I, I hold out hope. I know, you know, we had the mandate for 2015. We're a little late on that, and I'm hopefully we can come up to speed on that. The other thing I noticed in the news is there that, that uh, Autel Robotics has a new CEO? I don't know if you caught that. No, I heard uh, that guy's the worst, though. Eh, he's not bad. You know, once you get to know him, in the beginning, he's a little. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, uh, hey, congratulations. Uh, I think are in order. You moved from one company, moved over here, and you. Uh, and now you're the CEO over here at Autel. Now, I, I, you know, for full disclosure, I've never flown any of their, um, let's say, products to the best of my recollection. And mm-hmm. I don't know a ton about the company. I, I know that it was definitely people looked at it as an option um, for for certain reasons, um, whatever else. And, and I kind of want to jump in and delve into this. Gene, have you uh, flown in any of the Autel products? I have actually flown around some of them, and I've used some of the data from some of them, but I haven't actually, actually laid my hands on the controls and, and flown that. And I know my friend will take care of this just as soon as possible. All right. Well, you know, let's... I actually – go ahead. I was going to say, well, then let's, let's give Randall here a chance to uh, tell us about the <laughs> – Yeah, for sure. Um, So the first time that I saw Autel Robotics, I was a DJI employee at my first CES as a DJI employee in, in, what would it be, January of 2016. And next to us was this large booth, same size as the DJI booth. And what they had inside of it was the equivalent of an orange phantom. Looked like a phantom, flew like a phantom. Pretty much it was a phantom. And so from that moment forward, I, I had always looked at Autel as very much of a, not only a DJI alternative, but literally a DJI copycat. And so, uh, you know, it wasn't really a company that was on my radar as far as a company doing things worth watching. Um, their Evo series that launched a, a while back is, is you know, equivalent to a, a DJI Mavic. And it seemed like, you know, if, if, if somebody was coming into uh, you know, a reseller or just looking on the market for anything but DJI, why not have that out there? So that's, that's what I figured that their role in the world was. Um, now, realizing that, first of all, Auto Robotics is the, the third largest dro- uh, commercial drone manufacturer uh, outside of military and uh, government defense drones. Uh, it, it goes DJI, Parrot, and then Auto. Uh, by way of revenue and and likely in number of units, even though that's a little harder to trace. So what happened is I was put in a position where I could represent a brand that has manufacturing capacities beyond a few hundred units or a few thousand. You're you're really stretching what the other drone manufacturers in this space can do. And uh, the, the founder of the company is the sole owner of 
of it. And so there's no VC funder, funding firms that are, are controlling the vision, and there's no uh, uh, shareholders to really, you know, craft that. I have this opportunity to take a vision uh, or, or kind of the, the recipe I've seen for success by seeing all the wrong things to do in this industry and by priding myself on listening to the, to the customer and build something significant. And I think that when we talk a lot about, when we talk about the drone industry, we're often talking about specs. We're talking about technological capabilities. But I think that there's something to be said as well as relation, uh, what relationships can do within this industry. DJI being as huge as they are has not done a great job at managing relationships, even though they have a huge ecosystem. Most developers on DJI platforms don't necessarily love working with DJI. Uh, they have a huge reseller network. Most resellers don't love working with DJI. So other than technology, relationships can really give the drone industry a lift. And I feel like I'm in a position to drive where we take this technology based off of the feedback and true uh, the response or the communication that we have with our end users uh, in the industrial and consumer space. But I also think that it's important that um, we become kind of that, that manufacturer that takes the, the low bar, the low bar that has been set in this industry on how we create relationships, how we create partnerships. And, and if that, if, if Autel's rise or, or us getting more and more notoriety or recognition for what we're doing, then it's only going to create or, or force the other drone manufacturers to step up and to change their dynamic. And I see that as like a, a win for the entire industry. We're currently fighting against the, um, the startup or the, the small drone company that is, you know, has a novel idea but it's trying to overpromise going into opportunities where they show their technology, it doesn't deliver on what they say it's going to do, or they can't manufacture fast enough, and those people may not come back to the drone industry for three to five years. We want to be an obvious choice, an obvious alternative to DJI. DJI is still by far the best technology at the lowest price, but if you don't feel comfortable with working under those uh, circumstances, then, then we want to be the obvious next option. Hmm. Well, I would, you know, I'd agree with a lot of that. I, I mean, you're hitting the buttons on a lot of the, uh, <clears throat> let's say, shortcomings of the industry. And I do think, like, you know, you, you did make some comparisons. I do think we're, we're kind of, a, and I'm dating myself, and I've done this before with the, the computers and the 286, 386, 486, you know, Pentium chip. I mean, I, I think we're hitting a little bit of a plateau. You probably remember this. And Gene, I'm sure you remember this. Remember it when, like, advancements were coming every couple of months, like somebody, oh, and it can do this, and I, oh, my God, it can do this. It slices, it dices, it minces, it, you know. And we More hit a little long. bit of a... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've hit a little bit of a plateau. And one thing that does need to catch up, I would agree with that, customer service is uh, not very good. It's hard to be... It's hard to do... Uh, good customer service. I, I do have to say that, <clears throat> to be fair, in an industry that was growing so much. And then I know that we did have, uh, we had another manufacturer that was trying to do warranty stuff, and th that totally got out of control uh, and may have helped with the demise of the company as people were calling up uh, and asking for customer support on knockoffs and whatever else. But 
I think mm-hmm. that's time. And I do think as we get into more, uh, you know, enterprise, let's say, uses or whatever, people that are not used to the industry are buying these tools, and then when they need support and help, it's just not there. And then that makes you look like, um, you know, chuckles the clown to your superiors. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, you, you, you talk somebody into starting up a program at, let's say, a law enforcement agency, and you, you blow all this money, and then there's no there's no customer service. You, you're, you're kind of holding the bag on expensive paperweights. So I think that's a move in mm-hmm. the right direction. Um, and I also think that... Uh, you know, that, that might be something that would actually give you guys an edge. So that's, that's pretty, pretty sharp. Gene, would you like to add in on that? Well, yeah, I agree completely with, uh, with everything that Randall said. And, and I got to <laughs> hand it to you. Like I said, I, before we got on here, I remember when you first walked into my warehouse back in the aughts, I think, sometime. I don't know. Actually, it was that long ago yeah. that, uh, you know, you, you, you had that – that acumen and that, that ability to recognize, because you listened to everything I said. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, I saw a lot of the stuff that uh, we talked about come to, to, to fruition, come to other things. So, yeah, man, I, I'm saying go for it. Do it. I, I think you've got every possibility. If, if you can get, uh, you know, bring your leadership to bear with Autel, I think that that goal is eminently achievable. If if we can be on this call with people that have been around the drone industry for longer than I have, and I can ask you, name the former heads of Autel Robotics USA, and you can't name them, or Patrick, you haven't had them on your podcast, and they've done no. as well as they've done without that public-facing figure, and I would say I'm borderline the like an ultra public facing person i speak at whatever trade shows i can i you know get in front of people i do my own webinars i do my own thing now i being the ceo i'm a public facing ceo so when i say this is what we're going to do i know very well i'm going to be held accountable for everything i say and i'm still going to be saying we are going to treat our customers better than any drone manufacturer out there we are not going to build what we think is great in a vacuum. We are going to give Bravo. our customers a, a place to give us that feedback, and we're going to build it. And even at the end of the day, if it puts us as a really strong second-place competitor in this space, I think that that is good for the entire industry. It's good for DJI, which the industry is basically beholden to, because DJI needs to have the spotlight on others. And I don't mind taking on the, the challenge at all. Um, and I, I think that if, if there's something good coming from this, it will be other CEOs feel like they have to do the same. They have to get out in front of people and say, look, we're here for you. Name one that's done that. Is that I hear it cricket chirping. In the, uh, <laughs> it's true, no. though, and I respect these guys, but they're, just, they're engineers at, the, at their core. Right. They don't like getting in front of people. So they, in some cases, have other people do their bidding for them, which always gives them a fallback of saying, you know, our, our, this guy that in this position said this, but not, not you know, the company itself. It wasn't a, uh, yeah, there's a, a formal release decision. Yeah, yeah, there's a filter. Now, the guy that um, – I mean, I know a little bit about the company. I'm not like an expert, but, I, you know, the guy that uh, uh, owns this company – Made his money yeah. elsewhere. It's kind of like a, the parrot model, you know, um, where, you know, money was already kind of established in other businesses. And you yeah. have somebody that has kind of a business acumen and they're 
you know, hey, you know, I see something here and I'm doing this. I may not totally know the uh, technology. And I will say that, you know, the this is this industry and it, it cracks me up every time because people are like, oh, there's so much promise. And, you know, what's going on here? And, uh, geez, it's, uh, you know, well, I, you know, I don't know of other businesses that uh, suffer from from this, what I would call arbitrary and capricious and glacier like I already I liken it to a narcoleptic snail you know the the pace of regulatory change and it's really uh-huh. hard to have a business model uh, and develop new products new software new hardware new standards certification and all the rest of that on the envelope that we have to fly in so must be frustrating for people outside of this industry to be, you know, in this industry and go like, you know, what, what's the problem, man? I think that's really the, the uh, urban air mobility guys are going to get, you know, the the bucket of cold waters coming. But whatever, you know, I digress a little bit. So can you give us a little background about, you know, the history uh, of this company and, and uh, the gentleman yep. who started it? So uh, Frank Lee is the, the founder of the company, and he has one of the largest automotive diagnostics companies called Autel Diagnostics, um, and they have been in business, let's say, close to two decades um, and are quite successful. They're an IPO out of China. Um, they, I think revenue-wise, it's in the neighborhood of four to $600 million, uh revenue annually, and that's public information, so that's why I'm saying this. Um, but when you have that kind of stability in part of the com- company and when it has bankrolled the uh, technology development behind Autel Robotics, you really have the resources at your fingertips so that you aren't in a position of desperation. Mm-hmm. I won't say that all VC-funded drone manufacturers are, or drone-related companies are desperate. But the second they take that money, it's a, it's a clock that starts. Someone's holding that stopwatch. And we have seen some, like Airware, buckle because of that. We've seen some take so much money, and you're like, what are they doing with it? Like Precision Hawk. Um, you know, Skydio's $170 million that they've taken over the last six months is not a surprise to anyone. And then they're going to have to push things out. Where are the results? Where's the product? Oh, well, we launch something every, you know, three months or six months or make these announcements, and we're hoping that that carries us to the next, either the next round or that it shows our, our, uh, our shareholders or, or the people that are vested, have vested interests that we're doing something. But is that the right way for the end user? Is that what the police, uh, police officer or the firefighter wants? Do they want to be Dang, on the time clock of bro. a Silicon VC funding firm, or do they want the, the patience of getting it right the first time to be the right model? Hey, why do it right when you can pay to do it over? You know, that's what I, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think that people really realize that. I mean, you know, even the Precision Hawk thing, I mean, you, you talked about them and taking all the funding, and, you know, they had contracts out here in California with PG&E, and they – I mean, they were basically flying with no oversight and allegedly, presumably doing whatever they wanted to do, and they couldn't make it. It's like, you know, if if you have a company that's doing this and they're they're flying beyond visual line of sight and they're doing everything, they're hitting all the buttons. But but kind of what you're talking about there is if you take all of that money, 
you know, you've got to make a lot of money to justify the valuation in the VC capital that you've taken, mm-hmm. and yes, it's going to start to buckle and fall. And we saw that, too, in um, 3D robotics. It's kind of funny that you said that, you know, about the uh, CEO and putting on a public face. I mean, you want to talk about, uh, you know, things blowing up in people's faces. Whew, you know, uh, that, that got kind right. of ugly. And, and I, you know, to be fair, I mean, I know Chris. I know Chris a long time. Some of that was just, you know, uh, I think beyond his control, and there was also, you know, you get the, the the echo chamber and things like that, and also not enough money and runway to to do everything that you want to do and then keep everybody happy and all the rest of that. It, you know, it, it's a tough game. It's not. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that it's an easy thing to do. Uh, and really, the other yeah. thing is, is you know, when I know, you know, to the guy or gal. Uh, sitting at home, and you think, "Wow, you know, 140 million, geez, Louise, that's a ton of money." I can, you know, well, it's not all cash, and depending upon where your company is, especially, you know, uh, somewhere expensive like California or whatever else, man, you, you can you can right. blow through some serious cash quick. Um, there is a lot of talent out here, but that talent needs a lot of money to be able to live in San Francisco. <laughs> you know? So. It's not a very long runway, but I, so you know you do have somebody, and I think the same thing again. There's parallels with uh, Parrot. You know, they have their Bluetooth and their automotive thing, and Henri's a business guy, and you know he's coming in here and uh, looking at different ways to make money in an industry, and there is money to be made in this industry. Um, you know, it's just again that that investment runway, the regulatory runway, and the other uh, shenanigans in between. I think really make it a, a tough combination. Do you agree or disagree? For sure. I agree completely. And I think that the cool thing about my situation, me being in this position, and I, for those that don't know me, I'm 35 years old as of Sunday. I'm a young guy, and my career really started in the drone industry. I've been working for a long time, but it's not like I have another industry where I'm taking all of my knowledge from. It's really been that I've been been from the bottom, kind of the janitor rising my way up through the ranks. And if you look at the people that have been successful as CEOs, uh, public-facing ones, so Chris Anderson, you mentioned, ton of respect for him. He's He is a visionary uh, to me. To me, I am nowhere near the, the capability of Chris Anderson, but, um, you know, the industry kind of misses out on his, his contributions in a lot of ways because 3DR is, is – not stuck, but they're they're doing what they do, and it's not for it's not for the mass consumption. Uh, the other being Michael Chasen of Precision Hawk, who was very public facing. Everywhere you'd go, you'd see Michael Chasen doing something, but he wasn't a drone industry guy. He was a CEO that was meant for VC funding and capital raises and being a, a good spokesperson. But he's off. He's no longer at Precision Hawk. He's no longer the leader of the DAC, and he's off being successful back in the education space. So when you look at people that are brought in to companies as C-suite guys, they're often like, oh, I you know, sold my company, my, uh, my uh, telecom company for a couple billion, and now I'm in the drone industry because I can rinse and repeat here. It doesn't. It's not the same. This industry is so weird, and it's not growing at the speed that anyone actually thinks it is, and the opportunities are much smaller than they think it is, and the regulatory stuff is holding everyone back. But they, these people that are trying to move on to their next thought see drone as an opportunity 
And it's an opportunity for the person that's going to be gritty as hell. It's an opportunity for someone that's going to get their hands dirty. I don't know if it's a great opportunity for anyone that comes in thinking this is going to be an easy ride. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's oh, funny. funny. People, you know, oh, you know, do you, uh, what, what fuels, you know, you got this frustration. It's like I'm the, I left frustration in the road probably, you know, 10 years ago. I'm mean, <laughs> disgusted, you know. It's a... Uh, they, uh, you know, a lot of uh, territory we've we've come back over uh, over the years, and you probably see this too because you've been in it for a while. But you know, it's like people, oh my God, drones! You can do, you know, X Y. It's like, uh, yeah, we figured that out probably twenty years ago, and there's a frustration mm-hmm. here because we've heard people, you know, raise the flag and the rally call for. I don't know, multiple iterations, and you're like, ah, you almost have like a, some kind of a fatigue. Um, but you know, there's new blood, new people jump in here and they're, they get all excited. And then, uh, it's funny, you know, even people that work at the FAA, I've had so many of them after they leave tell me, man, you were right. These, these guys over here really screwed up. They don't have it. I'm like, what that? you know, so when like you get out of the sphere of influence in DC, like a light switch goes off or the fog clears, you know, I don't, I don't know what happens, you know, I don't know, but man, you were right. They, they get to, you know. And it's too bad. I mean, I know the you know the FAA things like that. Uh, there's no pleasing that Egan guy, and he's just a jerk and a meanie goat and all the rest of that. But it's like uh, I, I've seen different iterations of this, and it's like you guys are being ridiculous. Um, come on, you know, let's go, let's get this thing going, let's crack it open, and and let's really you know use this technology to be better stewards of our uh, environment and uh, you know. Grow an aerospace industry here in the United States. Gene, I know you're not. But Gene is like, uh, he's as cool as a cucumber over there. This guy has not been frustrated at all in the last 20 years. Right, Gene? <laughs> Absolutely wrong. Yeah, it, it's, been, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a rough ride. And, <laughs> and, and the thing that, all the stuff that Randall is saying is true. You know, it, it's going to be a rough road to hoe here in the drone industry. The telecom industry, sure, they've got some, some regulatory stuff to go through, but, man, this thing has just not done what everybody thought it was going to do, which is mm-hmm. really kind of a bizarre thing, But and, and, and I do think that there are a lot of players in it that kind of subdued the, the growth, if you will. I'm being gentle here. I'll let, I'll let Patrick do the bludgeoning. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it's been. Yeah. Well, so I have a question for you guys if you want to field one from me. I'll go, go ahead. For it. Go for it. I feel like the drone industry has has had technological uh, benchmarks or thresholds that needed to be passed through. Um, I think when, when DJI first put out a 4K drone with the Phantom 3 back in 2016 – the, it was a it was a threshold. It was a or I guess it was 2015. It was like now everyone has to do 4K. Most people still don't use 4K video. Most people don't want to process that large a file format. But it need, everyone needed to put out something 4K right after that happened. Um, skip a bunch of other aspects like this, and we get to where we're at today with autonomy being huge buzzword. We get drone in a box, another huge buzzword. And we get, um, and we get. There was another one. Oh well, uh, okay. So like SAS, the SAS model or HAS model, having things be like 
you don't buy things outright. You pay as you go, subscription model-based stuff. This is all brought to us, not all. The subscription-based stuff was brought to us outside of the drone industry as a, as a trend in technology that the drone industry is trying to adopt. So autonomy, drone in the box, and SaaS pass models. To you, in the position, position you sit, do you think that the drone industry, with the regulatory environment that we have today, is needing those things today, 2021, or is that purely just some, a new benchmark everyone has to hit that really is developed for future use cases? Do you want to go first, Gene? Do you really want me to take this one? Oh, my God. I can, uh, I can tee off on this one. Um, you know, Randall, you're right on, on the mark there again, but I, I, I'm going to say, like, when we first started lofting five-megapixel imagers, right, there were folks out there that would say, man, I don't need resolution that's any higher than, you know, a foot. And as we started progressing, it's, we're now down to centimeter level, right? And really, when you get down to it, the, the only thing that kept man from flying was a damn power plant. Orville and Wilbur had to search high and low, and I know I helped them. I went around the block a couple of times trying to find a motor that we could put on that thing that would get it in the air. That was the real hang-up. The technology simply wasn't there. So, yeah. The drone industry, and, and I think Patrick and I, we even talked about this, you know, back in, in the, the first one, that the drone industry was going to drive a lot of miniaturization of payloads that were out in the multi-megapixel, in the, the mass spectrometry, the whole nine yards. And, you know, today we've got a 48-megapixel uh, one-inch chip, and we've got a two-pound mass spectrometer that 10 years ago took up, you know, the, the proverbial computer in the room. So the drone industry has driven a lot of this, and it has completely outstripped the, the ability for our government to regulate it. And, and a lot of times for uh, the ability for the public to, to wrap their heads around it and not be afraid of it, because as you know, any technology sufficiently advanced is indiscernible from voodoo. So there you have it. I mean, God, I can just keep going on and on and on, but – Right now, we can't use a lot of the things that you mentioned. And the, the SAF, you know, pay-as-you-go kind of thing is something that the technology is there, but it's so damned expensive that you can't spend the fifty, eighty, hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars $150,000 to put it into your stable. Well, right? So I, I, that's I, I, why they're trying to get creative. Well, and I think that a lot of that, I mean, you know, some of that too, okay, so, you know, being a, a, a teaching at an art school, you know, the 4K, and I don't think anybody's really broadcasting in 4K, and a lot of the stuff that people are doing is, is content that's going to be for, you know, uh, YouTube or, uh, you know, uh, corporate videos and stuff. So 4K is perf, you know, everybody, you, and, and like I say, the file size and all the rest of that, um, again, you know, there there are two things. I remember, so when Chris Anderson was starting out in the drone thing, you know, he, he was like, oh, we're, you know, we're building this autopilot, and it'll have a thousand waypoints, and you can do this and that. And, and I go, you're going to spend, Chris, you know, calm down, because you're going to spend a boatload of time, effort, and money developing a system that probably will not be able to be used for 10 or 20 years. It's just not going to be there. No, no, 
what's going to happen. Common sense regulation. And, you know, I thought about this the other day, too. I mean, I, I've heard so many times common sense regulation, common sense is going to prevail, and that just does not materialize. So with a lot of these advancements, uh, aircraft make money when they're in the air, okay? And if you can't fly beyond visual line of sight, file and fly, it's it's hard to justify high costs for hardware and software in, in this uh industry as far as I'm concerned. That was kind of the beauty of the drone is it was low cost and it really cut the overhead uh, for professionals to use it as a tool to collect data. The other thing I think you have if you talk to people in a lot of the fields like the farm drones where people thought, you know, this was going to really revolutionize farming, uh, we don't have the software yet or the AI to, let's say, cut out the PhD level middleman. And if you talk to people that are actually agronomists or, you know, know about biology and different crops, which every crop has its own set of problems and pain points and all the rest of that stuff, uh, you got all this data, but you still need somebody to go through and um, decipher it for you. And it's kind of the same thing even in the military. You know, I got people eyeballing this video, Gene, you're doing search and rescue, the squinting, you get there's fatigue, you start missing stuff. So until, you know, that software starts to happen um, and the AI and the rest of this, I, I think we're, we're kind of at a plateau where a lot of these uh, advancements and announcements are gimmicky. And that goes right back to my, my concept about wringing out the money and the visual line of sight envelope. Until, mm -hmm. you know, we, we see the milestone and say, well, here's beyond visual line of sight. Then you're going to open up this huge envelope and people can use them all the time, file and fly and all the rest of that. Then there will probably be enough money to invest in, in all of, uh, you know, the, the AI, the software, the hardware and all the rest of that. And, of course, when that does happen, the quadcopter, if they don't come up with batteries where it can fly for longer periods of time, I think, you know, people will run over to the fixed wing step. That's that's. That's my opinion. So, uh, Patrick, you, you've been kind of well-documented on criticisms of DJI. And I think that DJI, I've mentioned before, and I've said to many people, that there's just certain aspects of, of DJI's business model that aren't appealing to a lot of their partners. But their technology is great, and they have set a pace for this industry that is breakneck speed, new product announcements all the time. So then it makes the industrial user wonder if that, you know, there's something right around the corner that might be better that they should hold off. Is there a pathway that DJI and other manufacturers, Autel included, can put out technology today, 2021, and that they can say in 2024, your technology is going to be, your technology is going to be relevant or not so outdated that you're trying to process, you know, image, image files today that are, or a gig or, or more, uh, trying to do that on a computer that has, you know, 16 gig of memory. It, it's like we, we have – it basically is the technology to a point now that it's not accelerating so fast that we can start slowing down iterations of products for the benefit of the industry. Or do we have to worry about other new startups coming in with this next novel thing that it's like, well, I guess we have to go back to the tooling session to create 360 – uh, uh, sense and avoid systems, or we have to do a drone in the box because the next guy did a drone in the box. It's all well, noise to me. 
Yeah, but I mean, you know, there are. I mean, I do think that there's a there is a business model for drone in a box. You know, say you have, uh, yep. you know, your wind generation thing, and you have drone in the box, and there's federal guidelines. You got to inspect it so long, and you can totally pre-program this to fly out and do that. Now, you know, when is the FAA going to give the nod that you know everybody can do that? You know, that, that's one of the issues that we have, as far as I'm concerned, is. Uh, you know, as it is now with the exemption process, it's totally arbitrary and capricious, and and the relationship you build with Joe Schmo in the office, and if he moves on, you start from square one. That's no way to invest in an industry to make this happen. Now, for clarification, I like DJI. DJI makes a great product, great price point. You got to give them all that. It's it's good stuff. You know, as far as you know, I mean, I, I, mean, I kind of made a joke at the whole Chaikons deal. Uh, You know, the the Chinese are showing to be a very worthy adversary, and I think that a lot of people in the Western world um, were riding on their laurels. I mean, you know, 2009, I was at a meeting with all of these federal officials. They laughed me out of the room. The Chinese will never be able to develop a $1,000 UAV. It's just too sophisticated. They won't be able to do it. And just even recently, I've had people tell me they're not sophisticated enough. Unless they have a space program, man, now, you know, be quiet. I'm tired of hearing that stuff. So if you were in their position, and I know that you were in the military, you know, I mean, uh, it, it would be like, you know, uh, that you, you got the competitor's playbook is left there on the table, you know. Take somebody with some good morals not to take a peek. I'm not saying that they are or they aren't because I haven't researched it myself. And in a lot of industries, it doesn't really matter. Some industries um, – you know, people are concerned about their data. We also have to think about this, and let's not be naive. The whole drone thing is predicated on the idea is this is a tool, and the value is in collecting data. So to, mm-hmm. to say that nobody wants at your data or that your data is all snug as a bug in a rug and all the rest of that stuff, I think might be a little naive. You know, so, you know, that's my two cents. Take it for what it is. Um you know, caveat and tour. From your, your two cents, do you think country of origin automatically makes a drone secure just because it's manufactured or the, the design of the flight controller was done by a guy sitting in Detroit or Silicon Valley and not sitting in Shenzhen? No, absolutely not. A, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think the phone home component and, and people, you know, there's other <laughs> years ago, I emceed that UAS West and the next show, uh, was going to be on the military cloud. And, you know, being the, the cynic that I am, I cracked the joke. I said, hey, why don't you just cut out the middleman and give the Chinese this stuff to store for you, you know, because they're going to get it if you do this. And everybody laughed and whatever else, and then there was security. I mean, come on. I don't think that a lot of people understand how the technology works. And I'm not even saying for sure that, you know, they are collecting data, but it, boy, howdy, it would be uh, a treasure trove. So I don't, you know, I don't really know what's going on there. I haven't researched it myself. My main beef with uh, DJI is, and I know that you're friends with the policy guy, but the policy guy uh, and, and the PR people have made some real mistakes, some whoppers um, that I think we're going to pay for in this industry for many years to come. And uh, that that's one of my main beefs, but uh you know, the, the chai comes to, I'm not, I don't have anything to hide, so I'm not really worried about that. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that, that I mean, PR guys, and, and when you're talking policy, you're obviously talking Brendan Schulman, and I have 
the utmost respect for Brendan Schulman. And interesting about what I said way before is that DJI can put the blame on people that genuinely have the best interests of their customer base in mind. Oh, or, you know, Brendan Schulman has done things like, uh, like geofencing, which were not required, which was a tough, you know, ROI decision where you are going to shut people out. There are people that have chosen other airframe manufacturers just because they don't force those geofences on you. Brendan Schulman pushed for that and ultimately got that wish to protect the company. But what my point is, is that when have you seen Frank Wong come out and say, here, here's like me telling you what DJI's vision is. Here's me telling you about our accountability. It's always someone else. And you guys know as well as anyone, DJI is a revolving door. I know as well as anyone how fast that revolving door can spit you out and put you in another position. So when you look at, at DJI and if there was a way that they could put someone in a position where it's not, oh, well, you know, that was an HQ decision and that they have that to fall back on, but the guy, the singular human being that is really putting in 80% or more of the, the value in this industry today, if that person would come out and tell us why or give us, you know, a kind of a, a roadmap to his mind, I think they would help us all have some predictability in this industry, which is not necessarily uh, anti-competitive. What it is, is it makes it so that we can grow the pie. We are still at the tip of the iceberg for this whole thing. And the reason it's not growing is because the largest player play well with others, including the FAA, including the Patrick Egan that holds a megaphone in his hand and blasts out his, his opinions about, you know, what's, what's going on in this industry with people listening. Uh, and, you know, we, don't, we can only speculate what DJI is doing, what DJI is thinking. Well, that, and that's, you know, we're going to run long here, so the live part of it is dropped off. But, yeah, it's an interesting conversation, and I think it, uh, you know, it really going forward as an industry, we should talk about this. So, you know, I've been to China. You've probably been to China. I've, I've speaking, spoken yeah. at shows. I've sat next to the DJI guys over there, you know, whatever else, blah, blah, blah. It, it, look, even over there in China, nobody wants to – they will not say anything bad about DJI. Because DJI is kind of like the sacred animal uh, in, in the drone thing. I mean, really, from what I see, the Chinese pick a winner, and there's a basket of technologies. There's AI, facial recognition, the drone thing. Shenzhen is drone town. I mean, you go there, it's drone town. Oh, yeah. They say it's drone town. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And the drone town uh, king is DJI. So <clears throat> that's fine. You know, the other people there say, hey, look, you know, they'll tell you off to the side. Uh, the, the government, you know, basically assists DJI with, with money, engineers, uh, technology. They've helped develop an ecosystem. Um, and none of this is a bad thing. Now, the other thing you have, you know, is, uh, you know, doing some research is it appears that the new China Life Insurance Company, which is basically a sovereign fund, has invested a lot of money into uh, DJI. In some accounts, there's, they, they've got like a, a billion and a half, over a billion and a half dollars in investment. That is a significant mm. investment and an investment that very few people can match, okay? Um, so he has done a lot of things right. We got to give him that. I do think that the, the concept that, you know, it doesn't play well with others is, is something else. Even when you tell him, hey, man, you know, your company's got some problems, 
you're going for short victories here. This is going to cost you around the world. Yeah, okay, well, we know there's some problems, but, you know, we, we, we've got to get some stuff done. Okay, you know, it's short-sighted. All right, we'll all pay for this, whatever, if that's what you want to do. But, you know, I guess they, they have their own business plan on staying on top. But to be fair, okay, so all of that is said, you know, when people say, well, what, you know, what are we going to do here in the United States? How are we going to, what, how, you know, how do we compete in it? And I say, you know, it, maybe you should look at emulating the Chinese model, which most people laugh at. But, you know, you've been there, too, and you probably, I, I don't know if you agree or not, but there, there is a drone ecosystem. You know, I need parts, pieces, and whatever else. I go see my guy over here, and I can get a radio. I can get motors. Mm-hmm. I can get X, Y, Z, correct? Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, Yeah, 100%. And that's, you know, I I mean, even cell phones. I I talked to another guy over there. He wanted to do a blockchain cell phone. I said, well, Foxconn was going to do him up a a, a, um, prototype. And I said, how long did that take? Four to six weeks. I'm like, you know, where where do you get that in the U.S.? You know, so when you're trying to compete with that, you you got a hard road to host. So even, you know, even your company, I'm sure, is, is working out of that same ecosystem. And and that is one thing with Autel. So I don't know, you know, is Autel, is it, let's say, cut off from communicating via, uh, with, let's say, onboard, um, you know, cell phone network or Wi-Fi or something else? Is it a standalone system or is it phone home? What, what, what does it do? So there's no phone home. There's an onboard SD card that holds data that when you send that into our repair facility, that SD card does deliver flight logs and things like that for RMA purposes like anywhere else. But but it's totally opt-in, right? I mean, I have to yeah, exactly. transmit that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I think that what would be interesting and what will be interesting is as Autel has the uh, the ambition to become a a more like the the manufacturer that is building large numbers volumes of of airframe and so we have large quantities that are out in the world doing work and and that alone sets us apart from most manufacturers who are still dealing in maybe triple digits uh and we have low cost high quality airframes and we're willing to be as transparent as needs be to suffice uh, up through the U.S. federal government, when those are our ambitions, I would put our technology in front of any third party that wanted to, you know, to listen and to sniff and to try to find leaks in the technology. I would say at this point, with the scrutiny that DJI has done and the work that Autel has done to then not repeat the same mistakes, those bridges are probably cut off. Um, mm. But... I think that with our ambitions to, without question, have the, a secure drone solution that's at an affordable price that does everything that every other drone does and has feature sets that are designed or the ideas are coming straight from the users and we have relationships that are, are actually functional with building an ecosystem of 30, third-party developers, we have an opportunity at Autel Robotics to be the fastest growing drone company, the most reliable drone company, the preferred drone company for users and resellers and partners alike. And it's, you said use the China model. We have the China model. But what we're going to do with that China model is, is, is scrub it of anything that is deemed to be problematic 
to then do the same thing Parrot did with their Anafi USA, where they went from a French, very, very French company to being a blue SUAS vetted uh, airframe that can be sold into DOD applications. If the French can do it, the Chinese can do it. We just happen to have a hell of a lot more economies of scale and a, a supply chain that is unmatched anywhere else in the world. And I think that that's the intrigue of me being here. And that's the intrigue mm. of me being a public-facing guy is that I am seeing as much as anyone can see into what Autil is doing. And I'm my reputation's not worth a damn penny at the end of the day. I'm just a guy. But I'm willing to go on record saying we are going to address every single issue until we're to the point that we've achieved that preferred drone manufacturer, the secure drone solution, the low-cost but high-quality thing that everyone is wanting. They want DJI without the DJI. Let us be that. Commendable. That's commendable. Yeah, well, that's commendable. It, it is, and it's definitely an issue that needs to be filled. And, and again, you know, so, you know, people, you know, if you're a real estate agent or, you know, photographer or whatever, none of that really is a, a concern, but there are other industries where data is the, you know, secret sauce of how we make money or it's something that you want to secure. You don't want to advertise your vulnerabilities or whatever. So I think that that niche is perfect. Uh, you know, and, and and you're explaining it. You're you're putting your face on it, so I know who to beat up on. It's great. I got your number already in the phone, so I could call you. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Oh my God, no. Uh, and and I went on a long rant, and Randall went on a long, long rant. And I want to give uh, Gene a chance to uh, jump in there and give your two cents, also, Gene. Your respected opinion. Well, okay, one of the things that you have to overcome, and I, I've got to commend Autel up front when, um, you know, our, our friend Kev kind of, you know, did the the, um, the the bug bounty and, and managed to get his way all the way up into the servers of DJI, and that didn't sit, sit too well, but it also showed the vulnerability. And that, that, that's why, you know, when I, I said absolutely not on, you know, having the guy in, in Detroit make the, the autopilot, there's vulnerability vulnerabilities there that can be exploited. But, you know, the fact that you are taking Autel's philosophy of, you know, hey, we're going to tell you right up front that we don't go back that far, but that suspicion is going to have to be overcome because, quite frankly, the Chinese are a geopolitical enemy of us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the 800-pound gorilla in the room, guys, and we haven't even talked about that. So well, that's yeah, got to uh, be overcome, and, you know, it's um, it's going to be a tough road to hoe, Randall, but, you know, I, I think with your forthrightness and your transparency that you'll get there eventually – and uh, they, they will come up with a standard. The, the government will come up with some sort of audit standard, like an ISO standard or something like that, that says if you follow all this good stuff, you could be a blue drone vendor and, and all that happy nonsense. But right. it's going to be a tough road to hoe. And, you know, I, I commend your, your youthful enthusiasm, but don't call, me a, <laughs> don't call me a pessimist. I'm just an optimist with a track record. And I, I hope you have the strength and fortitude to carry this through to its, its final result. Gene, uh, I'll know, say that I, I can appreciate my na- naivety, but I will also say that this has never been done before. There's not that many drone manufacturers out there, and there's never been one that has put someone in a position like this to go on record like this, to take the risk like this, with the freedom like this. So I do. And that's why I'm hopeful. That's why I'm very hopeful for you. 
I, I don't yeah, know that, what you guys drive, but if you drive a, a Toyota or a Honda, you're driving a Japanese vehicle that in the United States you don't give a care that it is technology that goes back to Japan. And Japan at one point was a geopolitical enemy. Not saying we want to wait 50, 60 years before we get there, but just saying that things can change. And uh, I personally, I mean, I've spent time in China, and so has Patrick, and, and DJI is not even the enemy. So have I, yeah. No, yeah, and, DJI and, you know, is a I, company trying to – go ahead. Well, they, they have to play in a certain set of rules, too. It's just like, you know, I mean, I think that people don't understand. It's They have laws of doing business there, and they have laws of doing business here. And uh, the other mm-hmm. thing to the credit of the Chinese is people are like, oh, my God, you know, how did this – they've been very forthright in what they're going to do. You know, One Belt, One Road, Made in China 2025, 1,000 Talents. I mean, they come up with these five-year programs, man, all the time, and they put them out, and they talk about what they want to do. It's not – I don't think that they're being, they're subterfuge here. They're like, hey, we want to be a world power, and we are doing X, Y, and Z. Even in our news, we don't really, they have their own space station, man, and they're going to put astronauts on it. You don't really see it, and I think it's a little bit of a, um, you know, for people who've traveled out of the United States, America's got a very myopic view of the world, and that's okay, but I think, uh, you know, at one point, people go, well, we were kind of asleep at the switch here. We didn't know this was going on. They've been doing it for a long time. They're talking about it for a long time. They see themselves as a world power. Uh, they want to step up on the stage, and they want to do their thing. And there's, and that's not, um, you know, Randall's problem to overcome. That's just the reality of a globalist type of economy. So I think, you know, whatever you're doing in your niche, I do think that the reliability thing as we move forward, you know, people want to fly over people. People want to fly at night, and people want to fly um, – beyond visual line of sight. And I do think that reliability is going to be something uh, as we move forward. That's probably an area to move into. Certification, which is going to be expensive. I don't think people realize that, but, you know, any aircraft certification is kind of a snapshot in time. Maybe we're getting to that plateau with the technology where it's time to start certifying, um, you know, the, uh, the, the software that's in the autopilot. Uh, things like that, um, you know, parts, pieces, and whatever else. And, and maybe that's the direction we need to head into so we can do the beyond visual line of sight and actually make the money that's going to, you know, pay for all of this innovation that we need. That's my two cents, you know, on the whole enchilada. I don't, you know, Randall. Well, you... the... No, it wasn't, it wasn't a ramble. I would say that your two cents and the two cents of this industry is all coming into a person that's a pretty open vessel. I will go on record right now saying I don't have all the answers. I probably don't even have uh, two answers for every hundred I need. So I'm going to be out talking to people with ideas and basically putting them in my shoes. You have an opportunity to run a company that's funded. Money's not an issue. You have the ability to have a, a second to none supply chain in the world to build what you need to build and build it at a cost that people can actually buy it. What would you do? And if I listen well enough, and if we have this, this, this arena of trust and and people want to see what we can do with that information, then it's going to become the people's company. And it sounds stupid as hell. It sounds naive, but in the drone industry, you know, people love to talk. Well, let them talk to a, a, into a, an earpiece that is actually trying to use that information to benefit them in their jobs, benefit them in their 
investments that they've made and are going to make in the future. That's where I'm at. I'm not coming in being like, no, I got the solution for all this. I got a hella good Rolodex that tells me I know how to reach out to people in the world that can tell me what their drone program is doing, what their drone program needs, and put that into technology. That's much more valuable than the know-it-all CEO, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and I would agree. Well, I would agree. The know-it-all CEO CEO does not exist. Um, I don't think (laughs) there's anyone that's got, you know, a a total lock on this deal. And, again, there's there's just a lot of wild cards, you know. Um, And those need to be uh, worked out. And what do you do until then? I think you're 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 kind of on the right track. So, you know, what do we what do we do until then? Where do we spend our money? Um, and so that will um, I think manifest itself in in the next few quarters. You'll probably get a little bit of a direction, whatever else, and we'll have to have you back again uh, yeah. as the third third co-host on the program. <laughs> you know, so get the get the snare drum, start practicing. Um, yeah. But we will have to have you on before the end of the year again to kind of talk about, you know, you got to get your feet under the desk, figure out what's going on. I mean, I'm sure there's there's outside and inside influences you've got to kind of coalesce. So, you know, would you be willing to come back and do that? Uh, I will put I will put that on the calendar the second that you feel it's uh, it's the appropriate time. And uh, as you know, and and as we continue to build our relationship, I. I don't shy away from from kind of being as transparent with the stuff that's going on in my world and on my mind and and I think that that's uh, Patrick, you've put yourself on a limb uh, enough times in our uh, experience and in, in just seeing you know things that that come out on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever that you post your words that you stand by what you say regardless as if it if it like irks someone or you know causes someone to rethink what their thoughts are. And I feel like that's what makes this interesting is that we can be in a platform like this and share our perceptions on the industry that we're all trying in our own way to preserve and to grow. And uh, it, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing when, when people have a platform to share that sort of information. So I appreciate you and commend you for all the stuff that you do, the risks you take, and creating this platform for the industry. Well, I appreciate that. That I, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I just call it as I see it, and I do. And I do. One other thing I will say is I do think that a lot of people in this industry do want to nurture it, see it grow, build, and the rest of that. And I don't, I don't really fault anyone for that. I, the, the only thing I do fault is when I see mistakes on the horizon that are going to cost us all time and money. And that's not always, you know, from within the industry. There's regulatory things, and you know, there's there's a lot of uh, facets to this. But I, I appreciate that. Gene, do you have anything in closing before we uh before I, we, we I go think we, we need to mark this I think we need to mark this on the calendar, Patrick. I mean, you got a kudo, man. That, that's a good thing. <laughs> well that's uh, you, a, that's you can turn mark things on the around. calendar. <laughs> we got you and uh Patrick, <laughs> oh, you know, one of the things I want to say though, Randall, is you know, I am not being critical at all uh, of you know, of your approach and I uh, applaud it and everything that you said is right on the money so i am i am honestly truly hopeful that you pull this thing off i'm rooting for you guy yeah if you ever need any uh, that, man. frank you know uh you know let's say you have any inquiries that require a uh, frank comeback you know let it let me know i know a guy 
can can uh, help you out with that unvarnished stuff. But uh, all right, For great sure. conversation. Best of luck to you on the new endeavor. Um, I, I look forward yep. to seeing what's coming out. I'm most definitely probably you know sometime in the fourth quarter. Got to give you you know some time to, to to get things rolling. We'll have you back on. We'll talk about where you're going, and uh, you know we'll go from there. I look forward to it. And uh, if you guys need anything at all, feel free to reach out anytime. My door and phone and inbox are always open for you guys. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, Gene, have a good week, and we'll see everyone next time. You too. Thanks, Talk later, guys. See See you. Bye.